Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to Drew Blood's Dark Tales, Finland's number one drama podcast. Yep, you heard that right. I tell you, the wonders never cease. Agreed, buddy. Pretty vituni so indeed. Check out the chart here. Get it right on my phone, see? Oh. Well, that ship has sailed. Finished pricks. I'm just kidding. Come on inside, friend. We gotta climb our way back up the charts here. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's better. Having to use this bick here. My zippo's out of fluid. I caught Chester using the last of it just the other day. The scaly prick was squirting it on some snapping turtles and lighting their shells on fire and lapping his ass off. I don't condone such shit. I mean, that stuff is getting expensive with inflation and everything. When the economy's in good shape, by all means, light those fuckers up, but not when a little tiny bottle costs me $7. Well, anyway, maybe we'll just do some ASMR today, get them numbers back up. That's what the kids want to hear, ain't it? <sighs> Ooh, smoke them if you got them, and drink those glasses to the bottom. Damn, that was stout. Because old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, <laughs> the rigmarole. This is Season 2, Episode 3 of Drew Blood's Dark Tales. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. To show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu and sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. So tonight we've got a story for you from P.D. Williams. It's a tale of bad luck and just in time for Friday the 13th. In it, we join a hitman on a special assignment whose trip is about to get derailed by a couple of bumps in the road. So without further delay... I'll give you from author P.D. Williams, Black Wolf Sedan. Taking out the old man had been simple for Black Wolf. 
locate, break in, kill him, and secure the body for transport. The job had been clean and bloodless, leaving no evidence. Once he'd finished the hit, he placed the target in a thick canvas bag and fastened the four restraints to hold the body in place. Satisfied that he had completed the most challenging part of the job, he looked around outside to make sure he wouldn't be seen. It was two in the morning, so he figured he was safe. He threw the bag over his shoulder and took it out the back door and into the alley. After Black Wolf dumped the body in the car's trunk, he poked it a couple of times to be on the safe side. It didn't move, thank God. He climbed in the front seat of his luxurious black sedan. I'll be glad when this job is over. There's some bad juju going on with this one. He lit a cigarette, tuned the radio to a classical music station, and drove away. His orders were to deliver the cargo to the nearest wet room. The site was hidden in some woods just outside the rearview town of Wyattsville, a three-hour drive. The team there would handle the final disposal. Black Wolf had made the trip many times. It was the perfect place for a drop, dark and secluded. He hoped that the others would have things ready to roll when he arrived with the former Eric Werner. He didn't like spending any more time in the woods than necessary. Even for a man with his background, the place was creepy, unholy. Black Wolf had been driving for two hours, one more, and he'd be near the site. It typically took around five hours for things to turn dangerous, so he was glad to find himself safely ahead of schedule. He decided to use the extra time to relax and put his mind on better things than the body in the back. He had always enjoyed the elegance and complexity of classical music. It helped to bring order to the chaos around him. As he conducted the orchestra with his free right hand, his stomach growled along, reminding him that he hadn't eaten in hours. There was an all-night gas station about ten miles before his destination. He was so hungry that he was willing to roll the dice on an ancient wiener from a greasy rotisserie. He'd dropped in at the store he had nicknamed the Stoppin' Rob on many occasions and had gotten to know Jack, the old man who ran the place. Jack was a three-time loser with felony convictions. He didn't burden himself with suspicions about the mysterious man with the sleek automobile that made occasional trips to the middle of nowhere. Black Wolf pulled up to one of the gas pumps, threw the car into park, and climbed out. The night air was thick and humid, coating his skin like warm mud. Smells were absorbed by its immensity, creating a dank fog but he could just identify the pungent scent of the two young men loitering outside. Black Wolf sized them up. Greasy losers. They looked like a couple of twenty-somethings with no luck and very few prospects. Their gangly necks and arms were home to cheap tattoos, their clothes ratty. 
He knew their species well. Had been there himself once upon a time before the military straightened him out. When Black Wolf neared the gas station's entrance, one of the men stepped in front of him, causing a collision. Uh, sorry, mister. Black Wolf didn't want any trouble this late in the game, so he just gave the scrawny stranger a glare of disapproval. Black Wolf walked through the smeary plexiglass door. The overly sweet stench of floor disinfectant made him queasy. He winced as his eyes adjusted to the uncomfortable brightness of the store. The harsh fluorescent light emitted a low hum that made his eardrums vibrate and gave everything a washed-out appearance. Hey there, Jack. Sup, young fella. Black Wolf checked out the encrusted rack of revolving franks at the end of the counter and decided to peruse the snack aisle instead. He settled on a bag of pretzels, some beef jerky, and a red bull from the wall cooler. Jack began ringing up the items. That'll be, uh, 6.30. Black Wolf's car roared as it rocketed out of the small lot leaving behind a veil of gravel and dust. He slapped his jacket pockets, empty. Why that little? Angry and embarrassed, he turned to Jack. Those two punks who were loitering outside, do you know them? Sorry to say I do. One of them's name is Curtis, I think. Can't remember the other one. Should I call the Popo? No, I'll handle this. Any idea where they might be heading? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say that old abandoned farmhouse a couple miles up the road. Druggies sometimes use it as a shooting gallery. Black Wolf had an ace in the hole. The car's tracking device. He took out his cell phone, accessed the app, and waited. Soon the car's location appeared on the screen. It hadn't traveled far. Suddenly, the dot turned left and slowed down. Gotcha. He looked at Jack. Looks like you were right. They're somewhere just up the road a ways. That'd be the farmhouse, correct? Mm, yep. Don't suppose you've a car I can borrow? Jack pointed out the window at a rusty riding mower. Seriously? Black Wolf asked. Uh, too many DUIs. <laughs> Guess I'm jogging. You know, there's two of them and one of you, Jack said. Are you sure you don't want me to call the cops? I think I got this. So, uh, you gonna kill them? Nope. I'm gonna save them. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. As Black Wolf huffed up the highway, Curtis and Razor were maneuvering the car down the narrow lane that led to the farmhouse. Where should I park it? Curtis asked. Pull it around back. We can put it in the barn, Razor replied. Curtis eased around the dilapidated two-story house and followed a worn dirt path about 30 yards to the rickety barn. Razor jumped out and swung open its large wooden doors. He entered first, using the car's headlights to light his path as he peered through the semi-darkness. Anybody in here? We ain't the cops. Just want to know if it's cool to come in. No one answered. Hey, Raze, can I pull in or not? Oh, we're clear. Razor stood near the entrance and guided Curtis inside. Once the car was entirely in, he pulled the door shut, then lit the four lanterns they kept stashed around the barn. Curtis sprang from the car and began circling it like a bird of prey. He ran his nicotine-stained fingers through his long, stringy hair. A huge smile stretched across his face. Dude, I am so jacked right now. Can you believe this? Oh, man, what a score. We gotta get a little bee out here to check this mother out. You'll probably give us top dollar for it, Razor said. Shoot him a text. Let him know that. The hell was that? Curtis asked. Equally startled, Razor said, I think it came from the trunk. They moved towards the rear of the car with the same stealth they used when breaking and entering. Hello? Razor asked. No reply. He lowered his head to the trunk and listened for a moment. The two jumped back. Dude, I think somebody's locked in there, Curtis said. The sedan rocked back and forth, its shock absorbers yelping. Should we let him out? Razor huffed. Hell no! What's wrong with you? Okay, okay. Let's just go outside, roll a couple of joints, and figure out what to do next. Yeah, okay. There ain't nobody around to hear no noise, so we're good. They'd walked about ten yards when a metallic explosion rang out from the barn. A few seconds later, there was a heavy thud. Whoa, what just happened? Curtis asked. I ain't sure, but we need to go check on the car. Something might have fallen on it. Like what? I don't know. Maybe something fell out the loft. Lil' B ain't gonna be interested in no beat-up ride. Let's go together. It might be we need to mess somebody up. They returned to the barn. The trunk hatch had been blown off and hung over the edge of one of the lofts, 15 feet up. I don't know who was in the trunk, but they sure wanted out, Razor observed. Curtis retrieved one of the lanterns and raised its wick. He inched toward the mangled opening of the trunk and looked inside. Yo, check this out! A shredded canvas bag covered the bottom of the trunk. Shattered metal buckles dangled from its thick straps. The whole space was dripping with thick red slime that smelled like oil and rotten meat. This is messed up, Race. Let's get out of... 
The shrill sound was deafening. Heavy footsteps moved around the loft. Then they heard something drop into the shadows. They didn't wait to find out what. The two ran from the barn and sprinted toward the dark farmhouse. Run! We're dead meat out here in the open! Curtis yelled. They busted through the back door and into the dark, grimy kitchen. Having participated in numerous parties and minor drug deals, they knew the layout of the house well. Curtis was holding the lantern in a death grip. Check them drawers for a knife! The wooden drawers fell to the floor as Razor yanked him from the base cabinet. All were empty, save for dust and dead bugs. No luck! From there, they went to the living room at the front of the house. Broken furniture was strewn about. The water-damaged ceiling sagged and cobwebs coated the corners of the ravaged room. They pushed the musty, mouse-infested couch away from the wall and hunkered down behind it. The damp, moldy material coated their lungs with every pant. Do you hear anything? Razor asked. The tall grass that ran along the side of the house rustled. There was a sniffing and snorting. Is that thing trying to sniff us out? Curtis whispered. The noise stopped. They waited. Something was climbing up the side of the house. They could hear chunks of wood being ripped away and dropping to the ground as the thing clawed its way to the second floor. An upstairs window shattered. Glass tinkled and feet thumped across the room directly over them. They froze, barely breathing. Wide-eyed, Curtis and Razor stared at one another as the thing clomped down the stairs, grunting and sniffing. The floor vibrated as it stomped around the living room. When it got to the couch, it stopped. Silence. Curtis extinguished the lantern. His muscles prepared to run. The thing gave a loud grunt as it grabbed hold of the couch. Cool air swept over them. The couch flew across the room and smashed into the far wall. A rancid stench assaulted their nostrils. A shadowy form crouched before them. As it rose, glass cascaded off its outer shell, and two dull, bulging eyes swiveled towards them. With its bony frame and grotesquely long arms and legs, it resembled a human-sized praying mantis. Thinly stretched human skin covered most of its spindly body. Its wrinkled head was that of an elderly man, the scalp punctuated with tufts of white hair. In its gaping mouth was an enormous pink, pulpy maw with a flapping tongue in the middle. The two men screamed as the thing reared back. When it fell forward, it grabbed a razor with its hooked hands and flung him against the wall. His limp body dropped to the floor. Then the thing turned to Curtis. He was numb all over. The thing drew its arm back 
preparing to strike. He closed his eyes, wondering how bad his death would hurt. He lamented his foolish life choices. I'm so sorry, God, for everything. Suddenly, there were two sharp pops. The creature cried out, and Curtis's eyes popped open. Curtis saw someone standing just inside the doorway in a shooter's stance. He recoiled as the shooter fired two more explosive rounds at the thing. Pieces of its shell clattered to the floor as it screeched and jumped upward, attaching itself to the ceiling. The shooter closed the distance until he was directly under the thing. He fired several more bullets into its body. The dripping man-monster clawed at the ceiling, raining plaster upon Curtis and the towering figure. It finally tore through and pulled itself up and into the room above them. In the gloom, Curtis couldn't recognize his savior right away. But as he dusted the plaster from his face, he realized it was the man whose elegant machine was now parked in the barn. <laughs> Please don't shoot me, sir. I'm sorry about the car, okay? Forget about the car. I need to kill that thing, or a lot of people are going to die, starting with us. What the hell is it? It was still a man when I threw it in the trunk, but there's a short window of time before it morphs into that, he said, pointing up. I was well on my way to the disposal site when you and your idiot friend decided to go Grand Theft Auto on me. Now, I'm gonna need your help. It's too much to handle on my own. You got the wrong guy, mister. Look, my friend needs- Leave him. Your friend's dead. Curtis halted. The man was serious. If the man didn't kill him, the bug would. Black Wolf surveyed the battered room. He picked through the busted furniture until he found a table leg. He moved around the room, tapping on the ceiling and listening. What are you doing? I'm monitoring its movements. After a few more pokes, they heard scuttling above them. Then it stopped. It seems to be taking its time. Regrouping or hiding. I can't tell which. I don't think it's through with us yet. It likely sees you and me as an immediate threat to its escape. We need to contain it. Curtis shook his head. Uh-uh, no way. Listen, boy. If you've got the stones to steal my car, then you've got the stones to help me kill that freak before the worst happens. The worst? As in it ain't happened yet? What is that thing? Five hours ago, that thing was Dr. Eric Werner. A microscopic piece of alien DNA outwitted him, some other dumb scientists, and a few pompous generals. Werner and his so-called geniuses studied it, experimented on it, and did some other sci-fi crap. Of course, they immediately saw dollar signs and military applications. 
but they didn't consider what that tiny group of cells might evolve into. It's like looking at a strange egg and not knowing what's gonna pop out of it. Well, now we do. It's making up its mind. About what? The most efficient way to kill us. Unless we kill it first. That's the choice I prefer. Curtis gulped. Are you out of your damn mind? Let's just get out of here and let some other fools handle this. Ignoring Curtis, Black Wolf followed the noise above him, prodding the ceiling as he went. With every jab, the thing moved. Who, who are you, man? Curtis's voice trembled. Continuing to track his prey, Black Wolf said, Some other elite trackers and I were brought in to hunt and kill these things while they're still human and manageable. Once that's done, their bodies are delivered to lab wongs who know how to dispose of them. Things have to happen fast, though. There was more movement above them. What happens if you don't get the body there in time? First, it turns into what killed your friend. Then, that worst I mentioned comes next. Do, do you, you think you can kill it? Don't know. I've been dealt with one in that stage of development. Black Wolf stabbed the ceiling hard and the thing ran. They heard it enter another room, slamming the door. Bingo. We got it, Black Wolf said. How many of those things are out there? So far, we've only located a handful of infected outsiders and lab folks. We took them out before they advanced too far. Now... I've got a somehow ice alien up there and get it to our local disposal site before things really go south. Does that satisfy your curiosity? Uh, I wish you hadn't told me. Will you kill me if I run? This is a highly classified initiative. What do you think? Good news is, there's a way out of this for you if you do as I say. Curtis sighed. What do you want me to do? It's closed itself off in a room at the top of those stairs. I need you to go up and get its attention. When it comes after you, lead it back down, and I'll use some high-impact rounds to penetrate its skull. Questions? Since this is classified, how do I know you won't shoot me when this is all over? Because I always keep my word. But if I ever get wind that you've been shooting off your mouth, I'll come back and kill you myself. I think we both know that the only reason you're going up there is to save your skin. So if this works, I'll owe you your life. Can you work with that? Curtis nodded. Let's just get this over with. Black Wolf began loading the gun's magazine while Curtis grabbed the lantern and climbed the creaky stairs. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Curtis's legs were shaking, his teeth chattering. Icy sweat slid down his back like cold fingers as he inched closer to the room where he did not want to go. When he reached the second floor, Curtis stopped and listened. It'd been quiet for too long. He wondered just how cunning the humanoid was. He tiptoed to the room where they had last heard the creature. 
a bedroom. He threw open the door and stepped back, expecting an assault. When none came, he eased his head into the dusky room and looked around. In the dimness, he could make out a filthy mattress on the floor surrounded by cigarette butts, used syringes, and empty liquor bottles. Seeing nothing of the Werner bug, he entered. Curtis stepped in a puddle of dark goo. Why won't this thing just die? He followed the trail to the in-suite bathroom, where he found the door ajar. You got this, man? He took a deep, shaky breath, as if he were preparing to take a high bungee dive. <sighs> when he was ready, he eased the door open and leaned inside. A thick string of drool dropped on the floor in front of him. He looked up at the bathroom ceiling. Curtis jumped back just in time to avoid being crushed. He screamed and bolted from the room. He flew down the stairs three at a time as the creature lumbered after him. The air behind him moved as the thing swung its powerful arm, giving a loud bark each time it missed. Black Wolf was at the base of the stairs waiting to fire. Seeing him, Curtis felt equal parts panic and relief. Wet chunks of brain and bone splattered over the staircase. Curtis barely made it over the railing and out of the way of the howling beast as it tumbled down the stairs behind him. The broken creature flopped at Black Wolf's feet. He fired three more enhanced rounds into what was left of his exposed skull. Thick blood squirted from its shattered head, the flow decreasing with every fading heartbeat. A long, fetid breath marked its end. Oh my God, is it dead? Black Wolf kicked the carcass with the tip of his heavy boot. Yeah, it's dead. Now go to the barn and look for anything we can use to tie it to the car. Then pull around to the front. Hurry! Curtis was too stunned to move, so Black Wolf went over and pulled him to his feet. You're gonna be fine. Just let the adrenaline settle down. Now, go and get... A wet tearing sound came from the dead monster. Oh no. Black Wolf muttered. What do you mean, oh no? Is it dead or not? Black Wolf eased back over to the carcass. He turned on his small mag light and shined it on the twisted face. Its jaws cracked apart, ripping the surrounding skin like cellophane. Three thick spider-like legs appeared on each side of the monster's mouth, spreading it wide. An oily black object the size and shape of a baseball pulled itself out of the ruptured opening and crawled onto the dead creature's chest. It looked like a clawless crab with two eyes attached to short stalks. It hissed at Black Wolf. What's happening? Curtis pleaded. Is that... The worst. Black Wolf raised his gun and began firing but the alien arachnid jumped out of the way with a blurry speed. It charged forward, working its way toward Black Wolf, 
forcing him and Curtis to back up against one of the living room walls. Black Wolf kept firing until the gun's chamber sprang forward and clicked. Oh God, this is it, isn't it? Curtis barely recognized his own voice. Please let it be quick. I don't want to feel that thing biting me, infecting me. The shimmering creature crawled toward them, its daggered feet clicking on the warped wooden floor. Black Wolf hurled his gun at the creature, unsurprised when he missed. He tried to move to his left and right to get around it, but by hopping from side to side, it blocked his path before he could complete a whole step. When the monstrosity was six feet from them, it reared back, exposing four dripping mandibles. It lurched forward. Curtis and Black Wolf jolted. Razor came up behind the creature, hammering it repeatedly with a long metal lampstand. Ah! Red and yellow gunk squirted out, some spraying onto Curtis's sneakers. So, what'd I miss? The two kids waited in the back seat of Black Wolf's sedan while he torched the farmhouse. Curtis figured it must be necessary to destroy all evidence of the monster. While they waited on Black Wolf's return, he filled Razor in on everything that had happened while he was unconscious. The information had Razor contemplating every possible meaning of the term, grave concern. Do you think he's gonna have to kill us? Razor asked. This is some born identity kind of stuff. Now, I think this guy will cut us loose. He just seems like the type. Dangerous, but reasonable. He had a job to do, that's all, and we helped him do it. So all we gotta do is convince him we'll keep our mouths shut. I think he'll be cool with that. Curtis looked out the rear window and saw the silhouette of Black Wolf sprinting across the way as the house blazed behind him. Black Wolf jumped in the front and slammed the door shut, then sat silently for a good long while. So, boys, what happens next? Curtis was too nervous to answer him. Razor said, I don't know, but what are our choices? Well, Black Wolf began, I can take you back to that crappy little convenience store and let you take your chances. Or, you can come with me. Razor swallowed. Where would you take us if we went with you? Black Wolf smiled. I never would have thought it, but you boys showed some spunk back there. You might suck at everything else in life, but you know how to slay a dragon by God. I figure you two now have more experience than the general public in handling freaks of science. So, you want to join the organization? It's plenty dangerous, but as they told me in the Marines, it's not just a job. It's an adventure. <laughs> Razor and Curtis looked at one another as if to divine the other's response to the unusual job offer. Does it pay good? Razor asked. The organization wants its trackers focused on the job. So you'll never be distracted by want, Black Wolf answered. Anything else? Curtis relaxed his body, placed his hands behind his head as a cushion and let the plush leather seat absorb his lean frame. Uh, yeah, I got one. 
Will we get a sweet ride like this one? <laughs> Actually, Black Wolf chuckled, you can have this one. It just needs a new trunk. He started the sedan's engine and backed out of the barn and up the dirt path before stopping at the rough two-lane road. Hanging a riot out of the property, he drove the two twenty-somethings with very few prospects away from the rearview town of Wyattsville. And that was Black Wolf Sedan by author P.D. Williams. A good reminder that career opportunities can pop up anywhere, so always be prepared to put your best foot forward. Also, pre-trip your vehicle before you go on the road. Even if you're sure your spare's in there, it never hurts to check for monsters. Thanks, P.D. A little about the author. P.D. Williams is an author, composer, and multi-instrumentalist who enjoys writing about himself in the third person. His short horror fiction stories have appeared in several popular book series, e-zines, and podcasts. The author resides in North Carolina with his long-suffering wife, who recently advanced to the second round of selections for sainthood. For more info on P.D. Williams, you can check out his website at pdwilliamsauthor.com. And do me a favor, would you? Subscribe to my podcast wherever you're listening and leave me a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. I need soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and I really do appreciate it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget about those submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. I also want to let you guys know something else. Our good buddy Jeff Sturdivant's new audiobook has just been released on Audible. It's called Gross Embellishments, and it's pretty much a sequel to Occupational Hazards. This audiobook has several of Jeff's tales narrated by the likes of John McClane, Jason Hill, Paul J. McSorley, as well as myself. Now, I've already listened to it, y'all, and I gotta tell you, it's pretty fantastic. So do yourselves a favor and go find Jeff's new audiobook, Gross Embellishments. Also, thanks to N.M. Brown for helping us find these stories. Not to diminish P.D.'s wife's efforts, but Chilling Tales for Dark Nights as a saint of our own. Saint Brown. Thank you, Venerable Natalie, for your saintly intervention. And thank you, Stu, for giving it to her good. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, <clears throat> okay, listen. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to finish this part. <clears throat> I cannot stop laughing.
Okay, so, uh... <laughs> This is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. But wherever you're going, don't stop till you get there. And hey, let's do it again next week. Next week, shit gets weird. I'd like to recognize a few more of our friends from the YouTube community. Italia369, Mark Burris, and Drew Boudreaux. I truly appreciate all the comments and support y'all show me. So without further ado, Italia369, Mark Burris, and Drew Boudreaux. May the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. Close the blinds, lock the door, and check under the bed. And as long as no one's watching, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.